Intermodal Summit 2021. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad I wasn't in one of those cars getting plowed by that train. I love <laughs> like that. that okay. We need to awesome, keep something like that for the beginning. Yeah, so I don't yeah. have to keep coming up with new dance moves. All right. <laughs> hey, this is a big event, and it's uh, we're a little compressed on time because we're at this event here, yeah. but just to set the table for you, this is What the Truck. We're a podcast TV show on Freight Waves three times a week. We'll come at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern time, and we don't have events like this. You, know you can find right. all of our back episodes on the Freight Waves TV app, or you can listen to the podcast, look up What the Truck, wherever you get your podcast. Podcast. Also, got a newsletter comes out Tuesdays usually. What the truck slash uh, no freightwaves.com slash WTT to get it. Um, at this event, we're going to be talking about the unsung heroes of rail containers. We'll hit on visibility, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, decarbonization, and most importantly, some rail safety as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons we want to get to the rail safety is a couple of videos have gone viral this week. Let's play the first one here. Uh, it happened uh, in the past two weeks, and if you're looking at this, um, this happened at an Ohio rail crossing. And you see this truck, it got stuck and locked up on the tracks. Maybe um, Operation Lifesaver will be able to tell us a little bit more why this guy couldn't move. From the angle, Michael Vincent, it almost looks like the, it's because the white car won't back up, but that doesn't really jive, right? Maybe no. he got hung up on that turn into the corner. Yeah, somehow he got hung up. I don't know if his landing gear, his sand pads get hooked in there or something. Was it not the great? I don't know. Well, that CSX train, it blew right through him. You may have seen this. I actually shared this on my LinkedIn a couple weeks ago. Fortunately, no injuries, nobody on the train, no bystanders, nobody in the truck was hurt. But we'll find out from Operation Lifesaver what to do in a situation like this. We have one more video here, too. This one is out of Texas, right? And you're talking yeah. about uh, new energy versus old energy. You're looking at one of these giant turbines on the back of a truck. He's trying to get it to come down, but the train crossers came down on the blade. Yeah. He can't seem to get himself out of the way. He seems very aware the train is. We've got some bystanders here who are taking video of it. Everybody's looking around horrified because there's nothing, This it, there's seemingly nothing he can do to move this giant turbine blade out of the way. Wouldn't say trucks had uh, already been, already bought oh. a few turbine blades through there, so he was almost part of a convoy. We got locked up, and you see it, that train just blew right through him, flipped this semi on its side, and again, fortunately, because I don't like to show these videos when someone gets hurt. Nobody, no, that's no fun. Yeah, nobody was hurt in this one either, but rail safety, especially in not just for the health of people, but it's not like we got a ton of capacity in this market. It's not like we got a ton of chassis. It's not like we got a ton of <laughs> don't turbine waste blades. the trucks. Can't don't waste, waste the trucks. it. Can't really waste. Let's thank Skybits. Uh, book your cargo with Skybits. They are our regional sponsor. Uh, Skybits is as is Book Your Cargo, um, and uh, you can win a Yeti Tundra cooler, right? So go to live.freightwaves.com. That's our event center here. Register. It is free. And you can get the Yeti Tundra cooler. Before we jump to our first guest, one last piece of housekeeping here. A lot of people asking, how do we catch these events, right? I came in late to a session. What happened here? Number I missed one this. question. The, maybe the stream caught out. It doesn't matter. We got you covered all on demand. You can find those replays of the sessions as soon as they're uploaded on the agenda at live.freightwaves.com. You can also find all these on audio on our Freightcast feed. They'll all be uploaded there. And you can watch the video ones on the Freight waves tv app as well so we got all that going on for you but now big issues going on with infrastructure decarbonization all of those kind of things so we have a great guest it's a uh, luisa fernandez wiley she's the vice president and economist over at the american association of railroads thank you so much for joining us today at the intermodal summit hi thank you for having me 
So t- hey, be, just to set the table here. By the way, I love the uh, the pink shirt. It really it really brings out uh, the eyes. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, the AAR is and your role there? Uh, well, at the, at the uh, Association of American Railroads, we're a trade association where we represent the Class One railroads, which are the largest railroads in the country. We also represent the uh, shortline uh, railroads, which are the smaller ones, and a handful of manufacturing, um, you know. Uh, so suppliers, which are part of their um, of our associate program, in terms of what I do is, um, like you said, you know, I'm an assistant um, vice president, and I'm an economist too. So I manage a variety of, pro- of, of projects uh, related to how policies or regulations are going to potentially uh, impact uh, railroad operations or you know or railroads. Thanks for coming on, Louisa, and and, uh, and uh, really appre- really appreciate that. Let's talk about the bipartisan bill that the infrastructure bill that came through, and from the from the AAR, what's the opinion there, uh, and what do you see that is good in that bill? Well, um, let me just kind of take a step back of um, how we how the railroads view this particular uh, this particular bill, and basically. For us, uh, we're different as other shipping modes because we don't, um, we're not looking for funding. So we uh, spend about $25 billion a year to upgrade and maintain our, you know, our world-class infrastructure. So for us, it's more important how these policies are going to impact, um, you know, how we compete with other, with other railroads and how fluidity continues in the network as we um, serve our customers. So one of the uh, great things about this bill is includes um, funding for a variety of factors or a variety of programs, um, uh, great crossing uh, projects for safety. Uh, we also have a variety of um you know, grant funding projects. And there's also a lot of funding for uh, research development and demonstration programs for um, that the railroads are going to, um, you know, it's going to allow the railroads uh, continue advancing locomotive and emission reducing research, which which is great. Um, you know, this is also, um, like you said, it's a bipartisan bill. So the AAR fully supports uh, this 500 billion uh, infrastructure uh, bill in the Senate. And we're very optimistic that the uh, the House is going to pass the bill by by the deadline. Um, you know, additionally, like one of the thing I wanted to mention is that um, this is a five year reinfrastructure uh, uh, reauthorization bill, which you know provides certainty. And um, the other thing that it is very important to the railroads is primarily what it actually omits, uh, because the previous. Um, the bill that was being pursued in the House transportation bill included a, a whole host of um, mandates that, um, you know, they were very um, controversial. So, for example, it, there was a precise uh, mandate, which the AAR for uh, we have long fought uh, for because of its a potential to limit um, competitivity, com- com- competitiveness. Um, there was also um, a 10 minute um, occupied crossing standard. And uh, so fortunately, those are not in this particular in, in this bill. And like I said, we're very optimistic that um, the House is going to pass the bill by the deadline. Now, that's not the only legislation that has been talked about. Biden also put out an executive order. And uh, I believe we talked to Ian Jeffries about that maybe a couple of weeks ago, Michael Vincent. And we were talking about a big issue that was in there, which was having to do the the rail switching. And and he showed us a video and he showed us the time. And and we're already talking about congestion. Can you um, for those who didn't catch that session, can you just tell us what is going on in that executive order and why uh, the AAR is standing against it? 
Um, yeah. So basically, what that particular, um, what that particular, the executive order, what they were suggesting our economic regulator is uh, to enforce uh, force access or, it, or what it's called uh, reciprocal switching. So what what it is is basically you are um, you are allowing other railroads to utilize our our property and you know and basically move their trains to serve their their own customers and so it, it actually will uh impact fluidity of the system and at this time uh this is not what we need you know when we need to continue moving trains and maintain the fluidity in our network and the reality is uh competition is alive and well and i think that this is something that it's not um you know we were disappointed that the uh the, the biden administration included something like this so, Louisa, one of the big things that everybody's talking about and has for many, many years is climate change. And uh, one of those things is decarbonization. Can you talk about decarbonization from the uh, AAR perspective? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, mitigating the effects of climate change, it is, you know, something important. And that is it's a responsibility that, that the railroads take uh, very seriously. So, and, and as you think about the, the U.S. economy that continues to grow, so does the demand for freight. And so when you have the goal of, you know, you have more freight demand, but then they, you also have the, the, uh, the goal of reducing emissions, you kind of think about like, where are you going to put all these additional freight? Um, because um, according to a study by the Department of Transportation, they estimate that by 2040, there's going to be a 30% increase in freight demand. So uh, the railroads basically have a competitive advantage over, over trucking because we emit, you know, less, you know, less emissions, uh, we utilize less fuel, and we also can reduce, um, you know, congestion. So when you think about this is you have one ton of freight can move 480 miles, but with one gallon of, of fuel. But, um, you know, so but specifically that the things that the railroads are doing is they're implementing a whole host of technologies to make our, you know, our system, you know, more efficient and more environmentally friendly. And I'm going to give you two specific examples. So one of them is the um, anti-idling uh, technology that has been implemented. And what it is, is when uh, you have a locomotive that, you know, comes to, um, to a stop, the, uh, the engine would actually shut off, so will turn, uh, will turn off. So that is going to reduce emissions. And then, you know, it's, um, so that's actually, uh, that's really good. That's one of the things that it's been implemented. And there's also uh, fuel management systems that have been integrated in a lot of our, um, you know, the locomotives. And that basically sends a lot of data, like, um, you know, like usage, fuel, uh, fuel usage and uh, uh, the, uh, the speed and things like that. And by no, by having all these data, the railroads can actually analyze the information and make better decisions. Now, let me ask you this, because we've had a ton of guests on talking about this this freight market. So much of it is, is a dumpster fire. You know, you're talking mm -hmm. about ocean. You've, you've, you've mentioned trucking. But we just had a Dre guest on the other day, and he was talking about the, the real challenges, especially out of Chicago with port congestion and, uh, and demerge and rail yard congestion. Um, from the AR, what do you, what do you know of about the, the major railroads doing to try to mitigate this, this stuff if, if they can do anything? Well, we're doing a lot of things. And, uh, you know, before I give you that example, and since you specifically mentioned uh, Chicago, I have a really great example for you guys that can give you an essence that, yes, there are all these like congestion and supply challenges. And uh, but we're um, when you look at, say, for instance, um, Chicago, the um, the railroads that actually um, looked into fluidity in in Chicago and say from from January to uh, I think the end of June. So you have basically six months, 182 days. They maintain fluidity in Chicago, which, as you know, is one of the busiest 
rail hubs in the entire country. So out of the, those 182 days, there was only eight days where there was no you know, fluidity and it was all related to um, you know, the winter storm that hit Chicago you know, earlier this year. So, you know, that's just like an example, just to give a perspective. But what the railroads are actually doing right now to keep uh, goods moving, it's, you know, they're stepping up um, coordination across railroads and busy rail hubs just to anticipate potential problems. Um, they're increasing the storage capacity to offload um, intermodal containers, because as you know, and you've heard, I mean, some of these rail yards have a lot of containers right now, and they just basically have to go somewhere. And to that end, uh, they're actually reopening all their facilities in um, in other areas. So there's been a reopening of a facility in Arkansas and in Pennsylvania. And additionally, the railroads are, you know, they're hiring just like the rest of America. You know, we are, um, you know, bringing on board uh, rail, uh, rail workers to um, including new train operators that can help us move all this, you know, this unprecedented search of uh, shipping demand. Now, we know that you have an event coming up. So before we let you go, just put it out there. When is uh, Rail Safety Week? Um, that is in September for from uh, September 20th to 26th. Beautiful. So do you know where people can go check that out? Would the info be like on aar.org? Uh, it's on operationlifesaver.org. Okay, beautiful. Well, they're on next. So we'll talk to them about it. Thank you so much for setting the table yes. for that. We really appreciate no your problem. time today. Take care. Have Great, a good thank one. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Louisa. Now, we've mentioned safety. We've mentioned Operation Lifesaver. Here's a video yeah. from them. I was really active. I was Taekwondo for seven years. Got my first degree black belt. I miss hiking. I miss skiing. There was even a camping trip I was going to go on. I don't think I can do it. We're all pumped up and everything. I was getting ready to go and start my career in the military. We went out to celebrate. I was 13 years old and I was hanging out with my friends. One of my friends taught me how to train hop. I wake up in the hospital and I go to rip the blankets off me. I realize that there is no arm there. If I could go back to that day, I would say, uh, don't do it. Every year, hundreds of Americans are killed or seriously injured because they take risks around railroad tracks. Learn how to stay safe around tracks and trains. Visit OLI.org. Jennifer DeAngelis is here with us now. She's the Director of Communication and Marketing over at Operation Lifesaver. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a great time, too. Like we mentioned at the start of the show, there's actually been a couple of videos that really highlight, uh, viral videos that really highlight rail safety with that turbine that got hit by the truck, the uh, the other truck incident with the CXX train yeah. in um in, in Ohio, and we'll get into that in rail safety and what you can do to keep yourself that, but let's introduce yourself. Jennifer, how did you get involved in rail safety and what do you do over at Operation Lifesaver? Well, I'm the Director of uh, Communications and Marketing, which means I work to share rail safety messages and to empower people to make safe choices around railroad tracks and trains. You know, uh, Tim and Michael Vincent, every three hours in the United States, a vehicle or a person is hit by a train. So that's a staggering statistic. Wait, 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 and, what was that again? How, how right? often? Every three hours wow. in the United States, a person or vehicle is hit by a train, right? That's a wow. statistic, right? A current statistic. It's a staggering statistic. 50% um, of those happen at active crossings where there's lights and gates. Um, so it's important. It's an important message for folks to hear 
right? Because we all have driven, oh, those of us who drive and walk, right? We've all encountered railroad tracks sometimes in our life. And it's important to know what to do when you encounter railroad tracks. And it's important to know, right, that, that trains are quieter and moving faster um, than, than oh, yeah. we think they are. Um, and that it's important to follow the signs and it's important to pay attention to stop and, and oh yeah and listen well it's absolutely important and you know the other thing i want to say is the other important part is to tell your friends and family right <laughs> yeah. because when you tell people that statistic they just don't believe it but it is a true statistic every three hours in the united states yeah and 50 percent of them at an active crossing means somebody's ignoring the flashing lights which to me is absolutely insane and i do tell everybody when i learned that there was a little blue sign there dooner mm -hmm. i went out and i told my my wife and now i see him all the time and those little blue signs are awesome but things have changed quite a bit i would think let's take a look at 1940s how have things really <laughs> changed since then cars or engines coming your way before stepping on or fouling adjoining tracks. You, young man, are surely carrying signals for the ambulance. Never walk on a track if it can be avoided. Well, smart man. He got out of the way there, Jennifer. I imagine <laughs> real safety. Just in time. Just the last second, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. So, you know, on those, when, when that train isn't, and, you know, that's an old train. Modern trains are much quieter, and you can be walking on those tracks. As your story's told, those weren't people in trucks, right? Those yeah, no. end up on the, on the tracks, uh, either train hopping or walking down there and not paying yeah. attention. You actually have a much more modern video of train safety. It's about a minute long. It'll tell you about those blue signs. How about we take a look at that one and how we should be interacting with train tracks, especially if you're pulling freight. It couldn't be clearer, so don't ignore the sign or the danger. Know how to spot low ground clearances at railroad crossings. They look different depending on what kind of vehicle you're in. If you do get stuck, get out of your vehicle immediately. Call the number on the blue and white side and give the crossing ID number. All kinds of vehicles need to be aware of low ground clearances at railroad crossings, not just trucks and buses. Always look for the signs, because ultimately, it is your responsibility to ensure you can clear the crossing safely. Remember, trains always have the right of way. If you're not sure the vehicle you're driving can clear the tracks, find an alternate route. Use the Federal Railroad Administration's Rail Crossing Locator app to plan ahead. It'll save you time and could save your life. Always expect a train. See tracks? Think train. Yeah. Great, great video. Michael Vincent mentioned those blue signs that we can get an incident. When we showed those videos earlier, there was two trucks that were stuck on the tracks. What what happened there? Because a lot of people, they see these videos online. They're like, well, is the driver being an idiot? What happened? Uh, did, are they getting stuck on the tracks? Are they getting stuck on the crossers? How does that work? How are trucks getting stuck on the tracks in the first place? So I can't speak to those specific incidents, but I can tell you one of the slogans we use, one of the safety slogans we use is, if if you won't fit, don't commit. Right? You have to make sure that your vehicle, whether you're driving a car or a tractor trailer, is going to fit on either side of the crossing. So if your complete vehicle or is not going to fit all the way across and give you 15 feet from the track once you cross, wait to cross. Wow. So what are Don't some of the other what are some of the other things that trucks need to 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 know when they're crossing these tracks and cars for that matter? Right. Well, we mentioned the blue and white ENS sign. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I watched the videos that that started your your show, and um, one of the things that we we want people to do is recognize that blue and white ENS sign. And when you're in a vehicle, any kind of vehicle that gets stuck on the tracks, or if you're walking on the tracks with your scooter and your scooter gets stuck, 
we do not want you to wait on the tracks and to sit in your vehicle, right? Uh, <laughs> first thing you should do is get out of your vehicle and get away from the tracks. So it's really surprising when we talk to, to folks about what to do, because like my 15-year-old new driver would say, well, I would call you right? Um, prior to this job, I would have said, well, I would call AAA. The first thing that you should do is get out of your vehicle and get away from the tracks, even if you don't see a train coming. Because as we mentioned earlier, you guys mentioned the trains are quieter mm -hmm. and moving much faster than we think. So in the case where there's a train coming, where you see a train coming, you get out of your vehicle and you run at a 45 degree angle away from the tracks, but towards the train. Right. And this is to minimize the debris that's going to fly when the train hits. Whatever oh, see, that makes hit. sense. That's that's common sense. Right. I wouldn't think of that when I was panicking, but that makes common yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when you, not, saw, yeah. when you saw how because when you think about it, too, when the train is hitting the trailer, when the CSS yeah. train hit that trailer or when it hit the turbine, what it's actually hitting is a trailer on wheels. So that thing can swing wildly, too. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about a turbine. You're talking about, what, a hundred and some odd feet of, yeah. of, yeah. of, of, of angulature that can come at you at a 45 yeah. degree angle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really important to know these things so that we practice them when we're not in an emergency. So that in that emergency situation, like you mentioned, Michael Vincent, now it's going to just click in and we're going to know where to go and what to do. So if your vehicle stalls or gets stuck on the tracks, the first thing you do is get out of your vehicle. And then you look for that blue and white sign. Yeah. Uh, and it has an eight, it has an 800 number on it and a locator ID and it directly calls to the railroad. So if they have the option to stop traffic, um, that's the best number to use to get that to happen. Yeah. So you're not calling them saying, hey, I'm on this street. You give them the locator numbers that are underneath that, that 800 number, right? That, and they'll know Absolutely. exactly where that is, right? They can pinpoint it. They will it know that. exactly where that is. Yeah. And, you know, I also want to point out another common sense thing that we don't think about is that trains don't have wheels. And that if an engineer, a train engineer sees something on the tracks, like a tractor trailer, for example, they can only blow the horn and pull on the brakes. And a, tra a train traveling 55 miles per hour takes about a mile to stop. So Crazy. just because the engineer can see you doesn't mean the engineer or that the train can stop. Trains can stop, but they cannot stop quickly. So you you're not going to stand in front. Of, you're not going to stand in front of your car and wave them down, well, right? Those two truck drivers that we <laughs> no, saw. Stop, right? That's my new car. Please stop now. Those drivers, those yeah. two drivers we saw at the start of the show, they they if they had heard this, they would have known they were dead to rights. This thing's not going to stop for a mile. Yeah. You can't get off that thing. You're not clearing your turbine. Get out of the truck. Don't go flipping with it, right? Yep. I could, yes, get out of so, your vehicle immediately so, and get everyone out of your vehicle. Of course. Right? Yeah, I'm just <laughs> yeah, everyone. His, his yeah. 10 friends in the back seat, right? Yeah. They need to all get out, not just my teenager. Everyone <laughs> needs to get out. Yeah, don't leave little Tristan in the uh, car seat. You know, Good make sure point. you get everybody yeah. out of the car. Now, the people yeah. listening now, so they, they, they are the kind who could empower, who could bring on a free safety training like this from, from you guys. How would they go about getting a free safety presentation? I'm so glad you asked that. We do have free safety presentations, and I would highly recommend them. Uh, we can uh, do presentations across the nation. If you go to our website at oli.org, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a button you can push to request a presentation. It's at oli.org. Um, it's a really great presentation, and it's been really, really helpful. You can also learn to volunteer over there. And if you just want to spread the message on social media, use that old hashtag, Stop Track Tragedies, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Jennifer, and Shad, I, I don't wanna, train I hop. Echo. 
Yeah, yes. don't train hop. And, don't you know, train. trespassing uh, trespassing is obviously illegal. Railroad tracks are private property. It's another thing that a lot of folks don't know. Uh, they're private property. So when you're on the railroad tracks, not only uh, could it be dangerous for your well-being, it's also against the law. Um, so you want to stay off the tracks. All right. And oh, yeah. you want to cross at designated crossings, even if you're a pedestrian, right? You want to go to the safe place to stop, which is a designated crossing. Well, Jennifer, please share the real safety messages. Follow we, us on we social. We are, Jennifer. We're <laughs> things every day. Right? Share it, share it, share it. I Here's appreciate a you guys sharing our real safety message and having us on. Um, it's an important message to get out. Most people don't realize they need that information. I Thank think you she, so much. I think she's committed. I, I think, think she's she passionate. Is. I think she is. She, I think well, so. she's using that hashtag, stop train uh, tragedies. Or what was it? Stop train, stop, stop track tragedies. There it is. Mark Parker in our comments, he says, stop non-competition. He says, rail customers whom I and others have spoken disagree with the notion that competition is alive and well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a, lot okay. of, not a lot of partners to choose from. I mean, rail and ocean are two places where what is there, you like, just don't got a lot of choice, man. No, there's like there's Coke, seven Pepsi, class ones, I think. RC, it. Cola, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you that's lost it. your RC, didn't you? Which one showed up late? The RC Cola, the Coke, or the Pepsi? Showed up late to the party? Yeah. RC. All right, let's get Harris yeah. Lee on. He's a co-founder <laughs> and CEO over at a Stealth Startup, but he has spent years with BNSF, Norfolk Southern, Uber Freight, and when we reached out to come on here, he really understood this show because he sent some great topic categories, so we're glad to have him. <laughs> Harris, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Good morning. Hope things are well in Chattanooga. I'm uh, happy to be here. I'm Surprised that we didn't kick it off with Earth, Wind, Fire this morning, considering September's like rolling in today. You think we have a licensing budget like that? Not, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can't get them licensed songs. we got to make our own Earth, Wind, and Fire here. Yeah, and we're going to make some with you right now, As soon as you sponsor Harris. the show, we'll get that done. <laughs> Harris, all that, all that. So we safety's been a big thing, and we'll jump a little bit more into this other stuff like containers and stuff. But have you had ever ever experienced something, Harry, on the train tracks and all your experience with these with these rails? Yeah, it's it's funny that uh, the, the OLI was actually on before me because I actually uh, used to do a couple of presentations when I was living out in New Mexico uh, as as a part of that program. I think probably one of the more interesting train stories I have around uh, safety was was there there was a there was an early early morning incident where we um there there was a, there were there was some signal trouble trouble out kind of in the in the, in the western part of New Mexico. And uh, and everything just just had to stop until we actually got a, a maintainer out there. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the rail industry is that safety is paramount. I, you'll, you'll hear a lot of folks say it uh, on air today. And I think the, the, the important piece to remember is that it's a heavy industrialized industry. Safety is paramount. Safety is the, the first and foremost thing. But it's a really important part of the overall global economy. And so I think as we continue to talk about safety, we need to we need to remind ourselves that out of all the, the major industries in North America, railroads are actually one of the most safest forms of transportation. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some of these topics that you brought up here, uh, Harris. I think they're very, very interesting. And the first one is well-utilized containers, talking about the capacity and having containers in the wrong place, I guess, trying to get them back to the right place. Well, I think you're supposed to say freedom. and then Oh, yeah, yeah. freedom, freedom. Right, right, there we right. go. <laughs> Yeah, so so Thanks for Tim, it was out. really funny that you tweeted. Um, I, I guess it was earlier this week about the fact that there are about like 129 ships off the port uh, off the ports in Southern California. Roughly 50 percent of those are still waiting for a berth, and so I think a lot of angst gets thrown around at the global supply chain. And it really always gets directed towards ports and rail terminals, mainly as being the the cause of that. But if we really start thinking about it, there's like 
somewhere between 40 to 70 million uh, 20 foot equivalent units of capacity of, of containers out there in the world today. And they aren't all sitting in a rail terminal and they definitely aren't all sitting on ports or, or in ships. More often than not, I think the, the question is really around where are they actually sitting? And so I think the Wall Street Journal reported a couple of weeks ago that the normal transit time from, from Shanghai to Chicago is roughly around 30 days door to door. I think it's up year over year about 130% uh, to roughly around 70 days. Yeah. And so when you think about that, that leads me to believe that there are containers probably out of cycle somewhere. And more often than not, from what I hear, they're oftentimes sitting at a facility here in the Midwest. Maybe they're hanging out in Memphis and they're just waiting for somebody to pick them up. And more often than not, they're being used as extra storage to supplement warehouse warehouse capacity or something like that. And I think that that's actually a really big opportunity that we're not talking about is how to actually get those containers moving, get them moving faster and get them back into the overall supply chain. And that's uh, an area where we actually should be spending more time discussing that problem. Now, do you think it was a big misstep of this uh, this bipartisan infrastructure plan to not give the government eminent domain to seize shipping container homes to add to the chassis for the container pool? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't I don't know that I'm, I'm highly qualified to talk about the, the, the regulatory environment. What I would say is I think there's actually um, I, there's actually a better way to think about this. Right. So when you deploy capital, that tends to be more of like a 10, 15, 20 year time horizon on getting a return for that. So saying we're going to take up more earth to just store containers to just sit around and not do much. I don't think that's what the global supply chain was actually designed to do. I think the global supply chain was actually designed to keep things in motion. And so I think the encouragement, and I'll give a quick shout out to one of my great friends and mentors, uh, Adam Lamar at Norfolk Southern. He talks a lot about thinking about creativity over capital and thinking about new and unique ways that you can keep things in motion without having to actually put a shovel in the ground. It's one of the things that I think that have rolled out well. We, We heard some other speakers talk about how they've opened up different intermodal facilities here in Chicago. I know CSX brought back Forest Park, UP's opened up Global One, G3. Some of the ports are are thinking about maybe co-locating certain certain drop lots. And I think that's all well and good. I think the more important thing to think about is, are there technological platforms that are are out there uh, where you can actually increase the velocity of those assets and keep them in motion? I think one of the things that and you guys are familiar with with this at uh, at Freightwaves. One of the things that uh, that Bataan is doing really well is they were thinking about how do you keep those assets in motion and basically unlock parcels of land or creating drop lots where you can actually have multiple deliveries, multiple outbound shipments, and keep those pieces in motion in a way that actually doesn't allow you to actually put a shovel in the ground. You're actually using technology to solve the problem, and I think there's a lot of good examples of that going on out there that actually should be more readily utilized. And I think one, one more point I, I would add, one of the things that the ports have done really well in a couple of different environments, I think uh, the Port of Charleston, South Carolina Port Authority, in partnership with a couple of railroads, have really been working on a gray box program where instead of assigning a single truck and doing a single mission and it's just an out and back exercise, they're encouraging drivers to basically come in, take the first available container, make the delivery, and then at the receiving facilities, Actually, when they show up, hey, the first available empty container you're going to take back with you. And that's one way to keep the, the overall supply chain continually flowing. Excellent. All right. Are you with me, Tim? I, I want you to Ready? deliver Whoop. that good. Whoop. There it is. Whoop. Do it with us. Whoop. There it is. Whoop. There it is. 
Boom. Boom. Right, right, right. Right. I can't do it. Okay, let's talk I, about I, visibility, man. Why is visibility important, and why is it that just putting a point on a map saying, whoop, there it is, that's not good enough? Yeah, I, I think like that's table stakes, right? I, I mean, if you're in the consumer environment today, your ability to use a map and to actually understand what's going on with your own purchasing rel- relative, whether it's ordering on Amazon or using UPS or FedEx, that's table stakes, folks. And so from a B2B environment, when your overall spend and relationship is going to be is going to be much higher than that, seeing a point on a map is good and useful, but having context around what that really means uh, beyond even just having an ETA is actually the most important piece of that. And I think as it as it relates to intermodal, I think one of the things that's important to really think about here in, in North America, you've got uh, a lot of privately owned rail containers and they're roughly, they're north of 80,000 in the network today. They're kind of shared between a couple of the different class one railroads. And one of the things that I've always thought about is really interesting about that and that visibility could help with it's important to see it on a map and know where it is. But if you think about it, if those containers are not GPS equipped, the fun thing is you actually don't know when, when they're empty. And so you have great knowledge of what's going on with the rail assets when they're in possession of the railroads. However, when they're not in possession of the railroads, you don't have a lot of context as, as to where they are. So they could be sitting you know, in somebody's backyard in LA. They could be hanging yeah. out in Mesa, Arizona. They could be hanging out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You're not entirely sure because you're totally relying on the railroad to provide that visibility to you. The challenging part of that is that as soon as those containers become empty, instead of just rolling back to the rail terminal to, to be taken out again, empty to go be reloaded, you should be able to just turn those on the street. And there are a couple of startups and a couple of tech firms that I think are actually taking the opportunity to think through that problem a little more effectively. So visibility going beyond just showing where it is on the map and actually showing what the status of that asset is, enables it to go back to what I originally thought about in, mm. in our original thesis was keep things in motion. As soon as that, that container is available and empty, turn it out to, to another, to another uh, facility to get it loaded and to get it back in motion. And the powerful thing about that is, is that's what's really going to allow us to avoid putting more shovels in the ground and waiting on capital to become available to solve this, this large demand problem that we're currently facing. I mean, look, guys, we talked about it. If you've got, a, if you got 50% of the ships anchored off of SoCal right now that are waiting to come in, still waiting for a berth. It's not peak season traditionally yet, but it's looking like a very okay. strong season in, in 2021. And, and so Harris, Harris we are almost out of time. Harris, we are almost out of sure. time on this segment. I, I'm very sorry, but people who want to continue this conversation with you, where do we send them to? Yeah, it's a, it, tell, tell them to, to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I'd be happy to have a conversation with them. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much, sir. Take it easy. We appreciate his time. By the way, Swagoo, he says... Uh, if it doesn't fit, you must quit. He's talking about, well, he's not talking about the OJ trail. He's talking about the trains. Yeah, he's talking about the train track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Although, wouldn't it be the opposite? If it doesn't fit and you leave your truck there, now that you know this, shouldn't you be liable? You need to run at a 45 yeah. degree run angle for, towards yeah. the train. Sorts. Don't try to fit gloves on in your no. truck while you're stuck no, there. That would not be it, good. Leave the gloves in the glove box. Hey, Fuel Buyer Summit's coming up September 22nd. But Friday, I want the truck. Noon Eastern Time, Freightways TV. Scott Pecorelli's the founder CEO of Weather Optics. Brian Kempstein, Port Logistics. Catch up. Just live there. 